Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will, um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands. and um, good thing. And apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done founding members of the wb club wake and bake come on where's toby so i'm practicing you know social distancing and i have a few tips for everybody you know you know no sharing pipes or joints things like that the three words that describe this show and i quote stink stank Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Living the 60% lifestyle. Shout out to all my 60%ers. Getting ready to head to a Chicago ballpark today. Whether it's Wrigley Field or Guaranteed Rate Field, both ballparks will be popping like 60%. And yeah, it is. It is solo suckage today because Steve Rosenblum has the day off. No need to worry, though. He and I will perform a five-and-a-half-hour show on Monday, Memorial Day. That'll start at 7 in the morning and go until 12.30. So we decided we need to pace ourselves. Like, the audience couldn't handle both of us in this few amount of days and then all of a sudden a five-and-a-half-hour show. So Rosie will return on Monday for that particular extravaganza. So I am here with you until 12.45, at which time, 12.45, it will be the Cubs and the Reds. Cubs looking for two in a row in that series against a bad, banged-up Cincinnati team, a team the Cubs beat yesterday, won the nothing a game that we will talk a little bit more about as this morning goes on. 
And uh, let's interact. Let's hang out, man. 312-644-6767 is the phone number, and that is the text line. It is open for you, both of those numbers. 312-644-6767 is the number. The White Sox with a double dip today. They they have a straight double header. Everybody loves a straight double header. Everybody hates the split double header. So it's cool. This is good for everybody. It's it's good for everybody. They the White Sox host Baltimore in that doubleheader. Dallas Keuchel and Matt Harvey will again attempt to be the starting pitching matchup they were supposed to start last time when that game was banged. Lance Lynn against John Means in Game 2, which will start about a half an hour after the first game. little bit of White Sox news, too. They recalled Zach Birdie from AAA Charlotte to serve as the 27th man um, for the doubleheader, as teams are allowed to do. And Birdie, by the way, because he hasn't been around for a minute... 0-1 with a 4.26 ERA, 11 strikeouts, and five relief appearances in Charlotte this year for the White Sox. So he will be there. I bet you he gets in at some point in time. And the White Sox, they got a lot of doubleheaders here. So they got this doubleheader today, and then they've got another one in three days. That's in Cleveland. So look for some, probably some wacky lineups from Tony La Russa in the next uh, few days or so in order to use a lot of the roster and to rest guys and not overuse guys. And I don't think in this case you can get too mad about it. So all I would say to the White Sox for right now is accept your wins against a horrible, disinterested Baltimore Orioles team, which has lost 10 straight games. I don't think they'd be good if they wanted to be good. That's just the way the Baltimore Orioles are. So accept your wins, accept your sweep, and and move on to Cleveland. So you know, get to 10 games over 500 today. That's what the, the White Sox can do. They are two games up on Cleveland in the American League Central. The Indians got their skulls thumped yesterday by the the Toronto Blue Jays, 11-2, and they will rematch with the Blue Jays today. All right, on the Cubs, it is time for me to ask this question sincerely to you Cubs fans and I want to hear from you I genuinely want to know what your answer to this question is at 312-644-6767 it is a simple question and it's time to ask it because I don't think it's been asked yet there is so much peripheral stuff going on and that question is are the Cubs good are the Chicago Cubs good or are the Chicago Cubs hot right because there's a big difference at some point in time even bad teams except for the baltimore orioles will get hot and the cubs are well they are hot there's no doubt about that but are they good 312-644-6767 is the number it's time to ask that question and i hope to get some good answers from you at 312-644-6767 so the bullpen has been very good so they they are 38 innings without allowing a run andrew chafin was Awesome yesterday, right when he had to be, when he's going up against the righty, Eugenio Suarez, and he strikes him out in that sixth inning with two outs in relief for Adbert Alzali. I mean, it was clutch stuff. Tommy Nance, a a perfect inning. So bullpens are impossible to figure out, though. Like, I can sit here and say, yeah, that's sustainable, but that's a load of crap. And really, even the most ardent baseball insiders or even those that are scouts and are within the organizations they don't know either 
They don't know either because we've seen bullpens implode and we've seen them thrive when maybe you didn't expect them to. Nobody expected the Cubs bullpen to thrive, and it has done so in legitimate scenarios. Ryan Tapera, probably, for my money, had the best relief performance for the Cubs this year, and that was in the Sunday night game, was it? Yeah, I think it was. Sunday night game against the Cards. But it was the game where the bases were loaded, and he proceeded to get Tommy Edmond to ground to second. Nico Horner with a strong throw to the plate. Paul Goldschmidt popped out on the infield, and then he struck out Nolan Arenado. Like, just some some terrific stuff from the Cubs bullpen. So that's one thing in, in favor of are the Cubs good or are they hot? But it's impossible to tell with bullpens. They're just, they are just so volatile in, in every way, shape and shape and form. So I've told you a million times that the starting pitching is average to below average for the Chicago Cubs. So that part of the Cubs, I can't put in the category of good, but if this bullpen continues to do what it has been doing, it could be one of those teams that get to the bullpen. Get to the can you get it to the bullpen? Can you do like the Kansas City Royals used to get if you could just get me to the fifth inning, if you could just fight through five innings and get the ball in the hands of the bullpen and ultimately in the hands of Craig Kimbrell, then you might be in good shape. That's hard to do. That's a difficult trick to turn. And, you know, you saw some of it yesterday. It was like David Ross was extremely patient with Adbert Alzali. Because Alzali, again, I talked about this last night, five and two-thirds, no runs, five hits, struck out six, walk three. Looks good on paper. If you watch the game, he struggled. He struggled. There was there was a lot of traffic in the first few innings, first four innings, really. And then he comes out in that sixth inning. He had had, you know, a a career high amount of pitches. So good for David Ross to allow him to get out of his own trouble until he didn't in that sixth inning. But it was not a, it was not a, it was a struggle for Edward Alzali. It was, as we like to say, it was maximum effort yesterday for him. So the starters still not good in my book. Bullpen is good right now. As far as the offense, it's very simple for me. Chris Bryant is the difference. It's not, I know it's been fun for everybody to say, like the the Matt Duffy, Eric Sogard, Nico Horner contact trio and all that. I just made that up. That was pretty good. I like that. I like the way I talk. But it's not those guys. It's it's Chris Bryant that has made the, the complete difference in the lineup. And, yeah, it's nice to have those contact guys. But there's been just a little bit too much attention given to those guys and changing the narrative. And I get it that there is a philosophical change that is perhaps going on within the Cubs organization to try to, to make that difference. But... I, I think at this point, I think it is more Chris Bryant than anything because he is better than he has ever been at the major league level and subsequently in a Cubs uniform. It ain't the contact trio. I'll say it one more time. 312-644-6767 is the number. Are the Cubs good? Let's go to Chris in Gurney. Hi, Chris. You're on the score. Hey, I think I, I agree with you a lot about what you said with Bryant. I think the starting pitching can be good. But in my mind, my pea brain here, the only thing that I can think of that is going to make the true difference of where the Cubs are going is who have they been playing lately, the Pittsburghs, the, the dregs of this, and they have to beat those, so they've done that, which makes them a good team. 
But what I think will make a difference with the Cubs, whether they're going to add or subtract, is these next three series. They got the Padres, they've got the uh, Cardinals, and they got San Francisco, who is playing really, really good. So to me, that will be the difference of where the Cubs are going. All right, man, that's a good call. I will. I would counter with this. They won the series against the Dodgers. They just looked very impressive in taking two out of three from the Cardinals and making them sort of rethink things a little bit, I think. You know, talking to Cardinals people, they say, well, the Cardinals aren't as good as we thought they were. So, But I agree with you. I'm, I'm, look, I'm actually going to one of the, the Padres games. That'll be fun to, to see them stack up against them. We know how they stack up against the Cardinals right now, and it's – Pretty even, I'd say. And then you have San Francisco as well. So, yeah, sch- schedule, definitely something to look at. And I, like, I, like I've said, these two series for both of our baseball teams in town, these are, these are must sweeps. Like, if you have intentions, like intentions of doing great things this year, whether you're the Cubs or the White Sox, yeah, n- not two out of three from the Reds. Not three out of four from Baltimore White Sox. you got to sweep these series. These are these are bad teams. These are teams that are down. 3-1-2-6-44-67-67. A question to you, are the Cubs good? Are you convinced of that? Because what we have seen, five straight wins. A half game back of St. Louis in the division. Right now, the Cubs are playing well, but... Are they good? So I'm asking that question to you guys listening at home, you 60 percenters going out to the ballgame at 312-644-6767. Let's talk about David Ross. And Ross, he seems to really like the 2021 Cubs. Take a listen to the Cubs skipper from yesterday. I love these guys. It's a good good group. You know, we've got a long season left to, to go. I would say that we weren't playing well. So, yeah, it's like it's a – it's a, it's a nice team. We're we're uh, got a lot of guys in here that are, are battle tested, and um, a lot of young guys that are earning their stripes in the moment. And I, I think that's a good mix. I, I definitely teams I've been on that have a good veteran and young mix that have had success. And I think we've got um, a, you know a, a nice touch of, of both on this team. Yeah, and it's I think it's been a pretty good job by David Ross this year, and he has put the right guys in, in the right situations this year, a lot of the time, more times than not, and good bullpen arms and successful bullpen players will make managers look good. And so David Ross has looked good this year. But guess what? If if the starters don't get better, and the previous caller said, hey, it's possible that the starters could get better. But if they don't, it's going to be a very stressful year for David Ross. Doesn't mean he won't have a good year. Doesn't mean the Cubs won't be successful. But that's a lot of stress. If you're not getting what you need out of the starters on a consistent basis and you keep having to go to the bullpen, that is stressful because eventually you're not going to pull the right arm out of that pen. 312-644-6767. Rick in Andersonville, you are on the score. Hi, Rick. We have just lost Rick is is what I've heard. But Ross, it's funny to watch the like you're really seeing the difference between David Ross and Joe Madden because Joe Madden was game for every single question, never 
got flustered over them, maybe like once or twice in the entire time Joe Madden was here, did I see him comport himself in any sort of like flustered, I don't like that question, I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> David Ross, he's got the proverbial red ass, there's no doubt about it. He he will still have fun with reporters at times, but he he ain't playing, you know? I mean, and this is this is what... This is the David Ross. This is not Grandpa Rossi. It's not even Rossi. It's Dave Ross. That's who he is. And I talked about this a little bit last night when the, when Marquee Network does the the Fridays with Rossi thing. Like it's it's not playful. It's it's David Ross trying to get out of the interview as soon as he possibly can. So it's interesting, but it's going it's going to take a lot of managing. And really maximum effort for a lot of these players. Like It's going to be hard for the Cubs to sustain what they have done. Not that they can't do it, but it's going to take a lot of effort for the Cubs. And you know what? It all still comes back to what the Cubs were told at the beginning of the season. And that is, we are trading the best pitcher on our staff. You Darvish. That said so much to the fans. That said a lot to the manager, to the players as well. So there's that to overcome as well. And if you had that, if you had you Darvish in your starting rotation instead of Zach Davies, God bless his heart, you probably have a one or two game lead in the in the division. Are the Cubs good? John, in South Holland, you are on the score. Hey, yeah, I, I disagree. I think the Cubs are good, first of all. Um, okay. I, I do disagree with you uh, about the main reason being uh, Chris Bryant versus uh, the contact trio. I like that. Um, I actually do think it is the gaps in the lineup being filled is what helps this offense to not be so boom or bust. So even if we had this Chris Bryant, which I love, um, and we had, you know, Wilson Contreras and Javi, you know, doing their thing, you, we would still have those gaps in the lineup. And I think when you have those contact guys in between those sluggers, it makes those pitchers work harder. They have to throw more pitches dealing with those, you know, slap hitters, those contact guys, and then it helps wear them down. And then it allows the big guys that make the big money to do their thing. And so uh, I think with the offense going the way it is, even with the injuries and the fact that they're winning with the starting pitching still being mediocre, beating both good solid teams and bad teams makes them a good team. They're not a great team. I don't think they can win the World Series, but I think they are a good team. John, that's a good call. Thank you very much. And yeah, I don't mean to dismiss what the contact trio of Matt Duffy, Eric Sogard, and Nico Horner have done. It just seems like too often that has been the number one reason, or something that has been emphasized maybe too much. And I know that I, Chris Bryant has been given proper praise, but I think that I, I, I disagree with you a little bit there, John. I still think that Chris Bryant is number one because he allows everything to happen around him because of how good he has been and how much that having that guy that good affects everything the way the opposition looks at you and the way other players in the lineup comport themselves and the results that they may get as well. 
I guess I'd, get, I'd give you number two that it is those guys, Duffy, Sogard, and Horner, and that mindset and not having a million strikeouts per game, that's nice. I mean, strikeouts suck. And it was not fun to watch Cubs games where they would strike out 11 and 12 times in a game, which will still happen from time to time. But you're right, though. I mean, it is, when you said, that's a good, I like your phrase. Since you like my phraseology of the contact trio, John, I like your phraseology of the, the gaps in the offense. No doubt about it. Those gaps were, were there, and you had to unload one of those gaps or one of those gap stirrers, and that was Kyle Schwarber to some degree. But, and you, you are see, like, here we are again in this confusing metamorphosis of baseball, or maybe we just zero in on the Cubs in going from the so quickly from 2015 to everybody try get anybody in here who could hit the ball over the wall because that's the way you're going to win games. You're going to beat shifts by hitting the ball over the wall, and that's the way you score runs. Never mind the traditional leadoff. Hey, well, we just happen to have Dexter Fowler, so that'll be great. But but screw it. We're gonna we're gonna march Wilson Contreras up there to lead off Rizzo, Brian, anybody, anything goes in in baseball. And now, like, I don't think we're we're gonna go back to the days where a little slappy is, except for maybe um, on the south side. Um, Nick Madrigal, where you're going to have little little tiny guys bunting at the top of the order to to get on base, and you know Otis Nixon is not walking through that door anytime soon. In Brett Butler will not be bunting at a ballpark near you in the next couple of weeks, I don't think. But I do think there's going to be some sort of hybrid or changing of the guard back to the more traditional style of baseball. Of as you said. John setting the table a little bit and and negating some of those gaps in the in the offense. And I want to get into something about compet- competing here in just a second. But let's take one more call. 312-644-6767. Asking Cubs fans the question, are the Cubs good? Do you think the Cubs are good? Nick and Gurney, you're on the score. Holiday. Holiday Saturday suckage. And now we've lost Nick. The whole thing's coming undone. All right, I'll just say this before we, we go to the break, and it would seem that we need one. Um, so Bruce Levine said something that was very poignant and very correct this morning on Inside the Clubhouse with David Haw. Uh, Bruce said that, you know, the 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 <laughs> paraphrasing what Jed Hoyer said, and that is that, hey, Jed Hoyer saying to the Cubs, if, show me you can compete. If you guys can compete, maybe we add on to this thing. Maybe we don't eliminate, which may be as good as adding on if you're a Cubs fan. Show me you can compete. But it's not the compete part that I'm interested. It's the win part in the postseason that I'm interested in. And I think Cubs have learned to think that way as well. I think we have reconnected with our guy, Nick. Nick in Gurney, you are on the score. Hello, Nick. gentlemen. Can you hear me? Yeah, Nick, we got you. What's going on, buddy? All right, there we go, my man. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I do. Th- I think we're being kind of critical of the Cubs. You know, I haven't watched them. I want to be honest. In about two, probably two years, um, I wasn't a consistent viewer of the Cubs. But since they've been on marquee, I've been watching them a lot. Been recording their games. I think they're a great team. Their bullpen is damn near unhittable. You got Shayson throwing, absolutely mowing down guys. Javi's being Javi. Chris Bryant's up to an MVP form. You got Jack Peterson starting to swing the stick better. David Bodie's coming around. There's no weak point in the lineup. 
The only person, believe it or not, that scares me is Jake Arietta. He's been getting throttled these last couple games. Early on, too, guys are getting to him. I think the Cubs are a great team. I'm very excited for what they have to offer. And, uh, by the way, whoever, whichever one of you guys is going to the Padres game, get ready. That's going to be an exciting matchup. you got Tatis and Javi, two of the best players in the MLB right now. Uh, I'll shut my mouth, and I'll listen to you guys talk. Thanks for taking my All right. call. All right, Nick, I, I appreciate the call. I, I'm trying to figure out why he took a, two years off of watching Cubs baseball. Now he sounds like he is back, and Nick is very informed. Yeah, I am going to – I'm going to be a 60-percenter in one of those uh, Cubs games. I forget which game I'm going to, but I'm going to one of the, the Cubs-Padres game just as a fan, going to hang out in the ballpark with a couple of friends. So I am uh, definitely looking forward to that. And you, you talked about Javier Baez – and him being back. It's funny, like, that play, the the rundown and the subsequent Wilson Contreras score, it was outstanding. I realized that in seeing that play, I needed something like that from Baez. Like, I needed my, the, the Baez pizzazz, the Baez swag. Like, I needed a Javier Baez moment to kind of, that sounds ridiculous, restore my faith in him a little bit. Because, unfortunately for him, he has set this precedent of doing those kinds of things. And like when he was runner-up MVP a couple of years back, I thought, okay, this is Baez. And it, you know, he had an awful year last year and started to put some things back together, has so far this year. But I'm still waiting for the, the full Javier Baez and to get back to that MVP form, which I thought he was going to settle on. So in a strange way... I needed something like that from from Javier Baez. Can I can I just say like I yeah, feel like man. I'm the only one that saw that play and didn't think, oh my god, what a great play by Javi. My first thought was, what the hell is the first baseman doing? Like, <laughs> like what? Like it's it's honestly, why would Javi bother retreating back to home plate? Like why? Like I like all right. The good thing he did was he got the first baseman to chase him, and then he kept getting him to chase him. Like. But other than that, I was like, why is the first baseman chasing him at all? Javi isn't safe going backwards. There's nowhere he can go back there. Just stand there. He has to come to you eventually and or step on the bag. And that's it. Like, that's, yeah. I, yeah. I'm not trying to belittle Javier Baez. He's amazing. But I didn't look at that and think, oh, man, that's one of his great plays of all time. Like, I was like, well, what a stupid I, I play don't... by the first baseman. <laughs> right. He's had better plays. But here's the thing. There's not many base runner studs that would have run done did what he did like just go like most players would not like would not have right would not have taken the time to do what they they would have accepted their out they would have hung their head low and walked off the you know what i mean like Baez though instead with forethought decided to go back thinking maybe if i trot back wilson Contreras, who is making his way from second to third will come around and score there ain't many players that do that and one other thing does and i'll let you react again uh, there, there are like that first baseman. It was inexperienced and not good, and it was boneheaded. But I will tell you, there. I, I still think that there's probably maybe ten to twelve other first basemen that Javier Baez, because he's Baez, could have seduced into that because you just typically don't see that, and you just sort of lose your presence of mind. So it was a. A, as Danny Parkins like, it was a thought exercise on his part. So I, I do give credit to him. But yeah, I guess Trash Panda, and I'm just going to mix nicknames here today for you, um, that it, it wasn't his best, but you, I, I did not 
uh, I can't blow it off as just a horrible play by the Pirates. Yeah, uh, that's that's fair. Like, I don't know how many Pete players would have bothered going backwards, like you said, because like right. it wouldn't enter my mind because it's like, well, I'm not safe if I go backwards. Like, I have to go forwards eventually. It's not like you get no rundown and I can go stand on home plate and I'm safe. No, you have to advance to first place, first base, no matter what. And it's like he was trying to let the runner score, but the problem is if he doesn't get to first base, that run doesn't matter anyway. So, like, that thought process is flawed if that's what he was thinking as he's retreating down the first baseline. And then he got lucky that there was no one that came over to cover first base. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's... Now, I'll give you that because that was the Javier Baez, oh, crap, I still got to get to first base to make all this legit. And then the Pirates obviously botched that. And then the best part, the kicker, is the little blue pit into center field on the, in the next at-bat, and the Baez scores, and the Pirates suck. It's I mean, just, it was a hilarious it, play. Like, I don't want to act like I'm delib- like belittling the play. It's just I when right. my initial viewing was like, what a stoop, what is the first baseman doing? <laughs> like, uh, no, there's no doubt you have to question him, but... Baez, because he has a track record of making oppositions do stupid things and making opposing players nervous, you can credit Javier Baez as much as you can belittle or criticize what the Pirates were doing. That is for sure. And now we really do have to take a break. It's Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast mark already with you 
on a Saturday, Rosenblum and Grody, without Rosenblum, he and I will do a five and a half hour show on Memorial Day. So if you really need it, if you gotta have it, and I get it, sometimes you gotta have Rosenblum and Grody, we'll be on from 7 a.m. until 12.30. That is on Monday. That is Memorial Day if you do speak holiday. 312-644-6767. Been asking you a very simple question because we are at that point. Are the Cubs good or are they just hot? 312-644-6767. And the Cubs, again, 28-22. and 22, Half game back to St. Louis. Zach Davies against Luis Castillo today. Castillo's not been good for the Reds today or this year. 1-7 with a 7-61. Davies has a 4.96 ERA for the Cubs. Been up and down. You never know what you're going to get out of Zach Davies. We shall see. Just get it to the pen, man. Give us, give me five innings and then get the ball. For God's sakes, get the hand, get the ball in the hands of Tommy Nance and Ryan Tapera and Andrew Chafin and then to Craig Kimbrell. Who would have thought that we would be having that mentality watching Cubs baseball this year? Let's go to Jim in Milwaukee. Hi, Jim. You're on the score. Mark, Jimmy. how are you? Good, Jim. Hey. How are you? Great. Uh, hey, uh, I think the Cubs, to answer your question, are good enough. I think they're good enough to win the Central. Um, I don't think anyone thinks that they're probably at this point good enough to win the World Series, but I, I, I guess uh, just kind of piggyback off the previous show, and I know I, I caught the first part of your show, um, is that I feel like we're making it a bad thing that the front office is making the players prove it. You know, this is a team that's had great success, and they've won a lot of divisions, and they've had success, sustained success, but they've only won the one World Series. So guys like Brian, you know, and Baez that had bad years last year, even though they won the division, I don't think it's bad that they have to prove that they're worth their contracts and that the Cubs should – pay a boatload of money to bring them back. Then I think it, I, 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 everyone keeps saying it's up to the front office. I think they'll add a little bit at the, at the trade deadline. I don't know. It'll probably be as much as everybody wants, but I think if these guys prove that they're going to play the way that Brian is playing, then they'll bring them back. I mean, I don't see, and I think they said they were going to thread the needle from the start. I don't know what your thoughts are. Thanks, Jim. I, I appreciate the call. Here, here's what I don't like about what you said. You said something that is correct, but I can't live this way if in the Cubs world anymore. Things changed. And you said you think the Cubs are, you didn't say good, you said you think the Cubs are good enough and you know to win this division. And unfortunately, there was a time in the Cubs franchise when saying good enough was good enough. But it's not anymore. I think that the bar for this version of the Chicago Cubs, this generation of the Cubs, of of Cubs players, Cubs organization, Cubs fans, I think the bar should be set at great, not good enough, or legit good. Like, I'll take good. I'll take good to great. So, like, I, I just can't, I can't live in that space anymore as a Cubs observer, and you as a Cubs fan should not either settle for good enough that that's the old mentality so what does good enough mean like that that's the thing like and and you said too that it's not a bad thing that Jed Hoyer would be challenging his players to prove it but we've heard this like every year like it's it like when they got Greg Kimbrell it was the same thing it was Theo Epstein saying well they proved to me that they deserve Craig Kimbrell so here's Craigers um you know in the just just Go back to any year, you know, since 2016. It's the same thing every year. Theo Epstein probably had a a similar version to what Jed Hoyer said. Hey, show me, and 
and if you guys are good and you're right there, you're just on the cusp, we'll, we'll add. And they have. They've acted accordingly even in 2016 when they made the biggest of additions in Aroldis Chapman. But really, is good enough good enough? And I don't think it is. 312-644-6767. I think that the Cubs have tried that and they're beyond that. And that's why there needs to be some, some more, I'll just say, more substantial change, unless they turn this five-game winning streak into some sort of 15-game winning streak. Then we'll really talk. I love this text from the 815. And if you want to text or call and get in on our conversation, 312-644-6767. Trash Panda (laughs) is the Dan Bernstein of Saturday Suckage. Taking the fun away from that play. Yep, typical White Sox fan. That's what's going on yeah, right there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Just can't well, let Javi have fun. White Sox fans don't like fun. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I, I, I will say there's only one Dan Bernstein on this radio station, and I he is much more of a fun sucker than I am. I yeah, just don't. Was, I guess I was looking at the play too logically. And like, I appreciate the play in all its hilarity. I really do. I just put more of the weight on the stupidity of the Pirates defense than on Javi. I mean, look, he might be the only guy in baseball that makes that play happen. That's, that's absolutely true. But it's still the guy steps on first base and we're not talking about any of this. Hey, man, get your own brand. Stay away from Dan Bernstein's, okay? I just, I don't want you. I'm not trying to step on it. Hey, he's been building that brand for, I mean, how long has he been here? How, well, how long has yeah, he been I mean, working in Chicago? 40 years? Uh, yeah. 30? 50, something like yeah, that. I don't Let's know. See, when <laughs> did the score open? When did we open? 92? 20-something uh, years ago. 92, I think, right? Well, the 20th anniversary was not that, no, 25th anniversary was like four years ago. We're closing on 30, somewhere around 30. Yeah. The, um, I want to say 29. Stud- <laughs> did you see the, the text from Peoria, man? The top. Studs. This text is just over the line, uh, or that text is over the line. Um, let's see. Well, I had a serious text that was, that was good that I wanted. Oh, here it is, from the from the seven oh eight. In he says or she says, winning the division gets you in the playoffs every year. Once in, anything can happen. Why do people say we aren't good enough to win the World Series? How the hell do you know that? I'm pretty sure I know that. Like, I get what you're saying, Texter, that it is true. Once you're in the tournament, anything could happen. But the Cubs have been saying that, like, they've been in the playoffs a ton and anything hasn't happened. You know what I mean? Like, bad things have happened. Like, no offense at times. And just the the problems that you knew you had bubbling showed their faces too many times in this Cubs era since 2016. Great, great, great stuff in 2015 and 2016, but the the get into the tournament have just enough anything can happen mentality. While I like it on its service surface, that that kind of thing has has not worked. From the seven seven three, the point is with the hobby play is that every other guy in baseball just gets tagged out and gives up the inning. The inning is over. Hobby leaves that tiny chance of the first baseman doing something stupid, which he did and got them two runs. Yeah, ultimately two runs, right, because Baez scored. Uh, that's true. That's it. That's it. Like, like Javier Baez has a resume of making opposing players do either 
stupid things, as was the case with the Pirates' first baseman, or just nervous, high-anxiety things, where they're not necessarily stupid. They're just like, oh, my God, i got to do this because he's doing that. Why is he doing that? Most players would have just walked out, would have allowed themselves to be tagged and, and walked off of the field. And that simply is not the case with Javier Baez. There is enough, again, there's, an, there's enough of a resume. And I, let, let me be honest here. Adam Sadzinski is not the only one who kind of like po- pointed out or has said defiantly to some degree, and I'm not saying studs necessarily, have said, hey, that, that's not Baez. It's a stupid play by the Pirates. It is true, but in this case, both things are true. It's not unprecedented for Javier Baez to turn a trick like that, and he will he will do it again someday. There is there is no idea. And yes, from the A47, you are correct. I am I am a I'm a baseball authority because of what this top texter says. Groads has capital letters a World Series ring. He knows how it works. <laughs> Been to the mountaintop. That's right. I just been in a I World put, Series winning team locker room or whatever you want to call it. Locker I have, room. yes, yes. Back when we were allowed in locker rooms. I God, you remember that, that time? Oh my god, that was awesome. I did rain delay theater in Game Seven of the World Series in Cle- So I, when I put the magic ring on, all of a sudden my baseball IQ just goes through the roof, and uh, maybe I should put it on. Maybe I should put it on at some point in time. I haven't worn that. I don't even know if it still fits, but it's it's uh, somewhere. I can't tell you where because I can't have you. I can't have you over to my place. It, I just I, I can't have it. 312-644-6767. It is a solo grody show today. Steve Rosenblum has the day off. We will reunite on Monday, will we, for a five and a half. Studs, are you with us for that five and a half hour extravaganza? No, I'm guessing I'm, you're probably I'm not. not. I'm not. Okay. Um, they didn't even ask me. It looks like you guys have Jordan Malley on oh. Monday morning. Oh, that's right. Because it's like it's it's kind of a weekday, so I guess Malley drew the short straw for Rosenblum and Grody. Well, they need to get, you know Ray needs a day off every now and then. So that's true. Yeah, Ray's the nicest guy in radio. Yeah. Hey, man, Bears. Um, studs, we need to take a break. I do believe that is the case. So let let yes. me do that. 312-644-6767. If you want to jump in, got a couple more minutes left in this hour. Gordon Whitmire will join me at the top. I'll ask him that question, and he will he will give us the real answers. Gordon Whitmire will of NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, Steve Stone on Dylan Cease. I want to hear that a little bit later on as we get into some White Sox talk and some Bears talk, Bears OTAs right around the corner, some really good stuff from Mike Lombardi that I want to play back for you a little bit later on as well. It's Grody. It's Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Dylan, just, uh, you know, it seemed like you were really able to trust your sliders tonight um, after kind of struggling with the location of it a little bit last time out. What did you kind of do to to get on track with it? Yeah, just honestly, the biggest thing is I just made sure I kept my eyes on the target and, um, you know, I trusted it. You know, sometimes I get a little yank happy with it. So it's just a matter of making sure I got my my energy going straight down the mound and, and trusting it. White Sox starter Dylan Cease coming off of the win against the, the Baltimore Orioles the other day. Mark Grody with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. The White Sox right now, they do have a top three in their 
starting rotation of guys that you feel good about going into the postseason. And those three are Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, and Lance Lynn. And you know, White Sox fans, that Dylan Cease is kind of still the wild card. I don't know that I would trust him in big, huge situations. And if he is to, if he is to get a start in the postseason, which he probably very well could, he's the guy that you watch closely. And if need be, you get into the bullpen quickly, and you have to know where he might fall short. Against Baltimore, Cease six innings, allowed one run on four hits, struck out ten. Walk two, and in that game, Tony Larusa let him get to 111 pitches. 108 had been his career high. Like we were talking about with Ad- Adbert Alzali, like David Ross allowed Alzali to get out of jams. It was the same thing with Cease, like in the sixth inning of that game where he had first and second, and Cease struck out. I mean, he had some big strikeouts. The Freddie Galvis K in that inning, and Stewart and Steve Wilkerson, and then the Clappy guys behind uh, home plate in that White Sox game were helping Cease along. So you had that. But then, like, in the in the previous start, you had the 4-3 to third against the Yankees where he's throwing no-hit ball, then the fourth comes along, and it's like, oh, geez, the, the whole thing caves. There's still too much of that with Dylan Cease. Let's hear where – and Steve Stone has always been very high on Dylan Cease. At times has called him a potential top-of-the-rotation starter, like one or two type guy, like the stuff – this is Steve Stone just from the other day with Lawrence Holmes. Let's get the update from Steve Stone on where he thinks Dylan Cease is right now. Here's Stoney. Well, I'll give you a, a couple of different explanations, and one is the explanation that I made before the season started to a lot of people on Twitter who were unhappy with bringing Carlos Rodon back. Um, I'll also give you the same explanation for making Lucas Giolito one of the better pitchers in baseball. That same explanation will have a lot to do with the evolution of Dylan Cease, and it's called Ethan Katz. Now, I'm not taking anything away from these three guys. Uh, Michael Kopech is another one of those guys. I'm not taking anything away from their hard work, their diligence, their ability to assimilate information, and their work ethic. What I'm saying is that Ethan had a new approach, and he speaks the language of the younger modern-day pitchers that, that – you can you can take in, and he doesn't have a one-size-fits-all approach. So the Dylan Cease we saw the last year or so was a young pitcher with enormous stuff and a huge upside that was having a hard time repeating his motion, getting out that great stuff, and achieving that upside that we're talking about. Dylan is still not there, as we saw last time out. Uh, but this time out, the one last night, was more along the Dylan Cease we're going to see going forward. He's still going to be susceptible to having bad games. All pitchers are. But the one thing I didn't like about last time out, which is something he's going to learn from, is he allowed the emotions at the time to dictate what happened the rest of the way. And because I've said it a number of times, anger is a luxury a pitcher can't afford because it distorts his perceptions. You have to take the emotion out of the event before you can make the best pitch you're capable of making. If you can do that, if you can drain away all emotion, then you can get to the mechanics, to what you have to do. The mechanics you work on between pitches. You go out there, trust your muscle memory, and then you go right at doing what you know you've done thousands and thousands of times, which is picking out a spot for that slider, looking at it, 
knowing you're going to stay over the top of the ball, knowing you're going to stay back, keep your weight on the back foot, explode at the hitter, pitch downhill. Everything comes into play, and then you just make the pitch. So, I mean, that's we're going to see more and more of that kind of Dylan Cease. And we're going to see it because what people don't know right now, but people will know five to ten years from now, we are sitting with a guy who's going to be, if not the best pitching coach in the game, he's going to be in the top two or three, and that's Ethan Katz. We'll see about that. And that is Steve Stone from the White Sox Television, obviously a regular contributor for years right here on 670 The Score. And what that says to me, in re- other than he's very high on the, the White Sox pitching coach, Ethan Katz, and why not, um, what that says to me is it's, it's very simple, is that you know Dylan Cease is still a work in progress. There are still too many times when you're shaking your head or he's Here's what drives me crazy about him. He's a strikeout pitcher, so this is not completely uncommon with these guys. There's too many deep counts that he gets himself into, the 2-2, the 3-2. And I remember you, Darvish, doing this when he was struggling with the Cubs. And and my thought with Darvish is, will be the same that I will say with Dylan Cease. It's not necessary, man. You got, you got the stuff. You got it. Throw strikes and make him swing and miss. Make him look. <laughs> make him ground out. Like, you got it. You don't have to nibble. You ain't got to play games. And you Darvish finally stopped doing that. And I hope Dylan Cease does as well. Because it's there. It's there. It's just channeling it and and not allowing, the, as Steve Stone said, the, the situation to overwhelm him or over-frustrate him. White Sox with a doubleheader today. Straight doubleheader to, remember, seven innings games for your Planning pleasure, White Sox fans. Remember, seven innings starting at 110 today. Dallas Keuchel against Matt Harvey in the first game. Lance Lynn against John Means. Don't be surprised if Tony La Russa at some point goes out, pulls the starter, and Zach Birdie comes in because Zach Birdie called up from AAA as they get to add the 27th man and double headers. So he is there, and the White Sox should just go accept their two wins today from a Baltimore team that has lost 10 straight games. When we return... Let's go to Wrigley Field, and we will bring in Gordon Widmeyer of NBC Sports Chicago. Talk about the Cubs and the Reds today, and if he thinks the Cubs are good. It's Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 